0: Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley-Fox and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled I have Paul Socket with me. Paul is a storyteller and creator, an actor and voice artist and a lover of words. Paul invites people into exploring what masculinity and femininity look like for them, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say today. Paul, can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work?
1: As an actor, I have a relationship with my body and uh, witnessing other people, and I've been doing that for 15 years now, and I resonate with the word empath, and so I've always... Uh, always um, felt energy, and um, I've only just given myself the grace to use the word empath in the last three four months. So uh, this also helps me explore my body and my connection with my body, and also the the, the body and pleasure of my uh, my partner Angie. Mm-hmm.
0: I also feel like I'm an empath and I think um, it's both a blessing and a curse at the same time.
1: (laughs) Why do you think it's a curse?
0: So I feel like I'm so swayed by other people's um, emotions and other people's energy that if I go into a space where people are being negative or if I'm around, um, yeah, like a critical energy, I find that, It exhausts me and it really affects how I'm feeling in myself as well. Do you Mm. have the same experience?
1: I think in certain circumstances, whelm can be um, uh, how I receive that person's energy. So I don't feel that someone gives me whelm. Whelm is how I receive that energy and how I process it through my body and the, the energy that I came into the room with um so so for me whelm is neither good nor bad um it is merely uh, a point of information for me to be able to check in with myself come back to the present and say okay what do I need what do I want is this true if so why (laughs) if not what do I want to choose next Mm -hmm and sometimes that can be easier than others sometimes it can just be a case of removing yourself from the room sometimes you have i have the bandwidth to open a conversation about that or to put words to uh, witnessing that from somebody else or a group and then again and, and then you have moved into a new stage where you get to witness them in a place of invitation where if there is defense from them I'm not responsible for making them change their mind. I'm not responsible for uh, them being more accommodating. I get to make a new choice based off the data points that I'm being given in that moment.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, so I, I see it as a gift and sometimes a challenge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So today we're gonna to talk about the power of erotica and telling your own story. So, Paul, can you kick us off by telling the listeners what erotica is, um, why this is something that you're interested in, and things like that?
1: Well, you mentioned I'm a lover of words, and I really believe that the words we use are weighted by our experience in life and the conditioning we've received. So, for me, erotic, for me, erotica is. receiving someone's story. So I don't resonate with all erotica. And sometimes I'll resonate with a small passage of a piece of erotica. And and as an empath, I, I can feel when that story is true to that person. There's something about the linear element of of creating a story that that does not resonate with me and I and I will remove myself from that of the beginning the middle the end Mm -hmm. the more I explore erotica is it really gives me an opportunity to practice coming back to the present and to ask myself what I want Mm. because a, a, a writer or a storyteller can take me on a journey And I will never always be every step of their story with them. Mm. There'll be some part that wanted to go off in a different direction. The choose your own adventure stories, whether erotic or not, is something that interests me because I get to choose something for me. So for me, erotica is is an expression of my truth in that moment. It is an exploration of what feels good to me. I get to practice not just thinking about something, but feeling what that thought actually feels like. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We can get into our heads. I say we can, we do. We get into our heads
2: Mm
1: -hmm. all the time and we try to work out what the next step, And, and this is applicable for writers or people who are curious about, writing down their words. We want to choose the best next word. And so we run all the words in our head, but we don't get to feel what that word actually feels like because we're too busy telling the story of what a word means to us and why that word is powerful and why that should be this and why I'll feel this as a result of that word being used, but we never use it so we don't know. So just by saying the word out loud, just by, just by writing the word on a page, we remove it from the emotional context of which we've given it. And we get to see it on the page and we get to feel how that feels. And there's no right or wrong because we can always make a new choice. We can always choose a new word. We have a, an eraser. We have, you know, the delete button. <laughs> We get to make a new choice. And that's why for me, I'm playing with the concept of um, uh, inviting a reader or a listener even on a journey that they then get to practice their imagination to finish the story.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Because there is no such thing as ending we're all circular, it's all cyclical. So it's about transition. So I could tell you a beginning, middle and end story and you would still have an idea of like, oh, what comes next? Or I think if there there was another book, then this would happen. So there was was never an end to begin with. But this is what our lives have been uh, conditioned to behave within. You go to school, the bell goes, you sit down. The bell goes, you start a lesson. The bell goes, you end. You go for a break, come back. And we are conditioned to believe that there is a formula for success and that success exists. Because it's not just about me writing a story. It's got to be a good story. But there's no such thing as a good or a bad story. If there was... Everyone would believe that certain stories were good and everyone would believe that certain stories were bad. Mm. It's just like conversation. We could have this conversation today and you could ask me exactly the same questions. And we could do this tomorrow and you could ask me the same questions. And the words I use would not be the same. Yeah. Because we've had this conversation. And so it's the wave effect a wave can only be made by the water coming back. Mm-hmm. So if I just think about all the possibilities, I, I protect myself because feeling is a vulnerable thing.
2: Yeah.
1: But just by writing down a word, which is a really safe space, no one has to see it. You no, know, we're not going to get a gold star or a big red cross and see me. Please try harder. <laughs> We just, it gets to be a blank canvas that we can always take back to being a blank canvas. But the next choice we make will always have some component of impact from what we chose the last time. And that's okay.
0: Yeah. We cannot not influence.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And it's so interesting what you're saying. And, um, the word that's coming to me is freedom but also i'm very aware as humans we were innately routine based and you know i have a friend who when she reads a book she'll go to the end read the end so it prepares her so she can read the book <laughs> knowing <laughs> i know wow. what's coming i you know there's going to be no shocks and no surprises um uh-huh. and yeah so i think this idea of well there is no start, middle, and end. It is all just fluids um, and it's all nature is Mm. maybe goes, well, as you're saying, goes against the conditioning, right? Going to school, assembly, going to class, because that is the way that we have been structured to live our lives.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we humans use pattern and habit and recognition of pattern for protection. I, I don't see it as freedom, I see it as protection. We seek safety in what we look for. It's the old adage of, you know, you think of a red fire engine and a, you know a red fire engine will suddenly appear. Because what we've done is we've set an intention. We've told our brain that we want to spot something different outside of the pattern that we've become safe within. Mm -hmm. So we see a fire engine when there might have been fire engines before and we didn't see them because we didn't need to, and we didn't want to. So I absolutely agree that it is freeing to practice releasing ourselves from the need to have answers I use what if a lot. I guess I'm an actor. (laughs) But what if we can live a life where our focus is to just gather information, not to find an answer? It's terrifying. It's an incredibly vulnerable place to be in, which is why I always refer to it as a practice. I think as an actor, rehearsals are key to help you find the person you, you know, the the way in which you want to tell someone's story. So it's always practice because that way we get to release shame. Because shame is a construct. Shame doesn't exist. Shame is a way to control what we buy, how we buy it, and where we buy it, and when we buy it. It's sales. Shame is sales. Mm -hmm. So coming to the present and coming to allowing ourselves the space to ask what we want in this moment is a revolutionary act. For your listeners, you're all doing exactly what you've been told to do congratulations, you are not broken. You're doing what you've learned to do. So to be curious enough to come to this podcast, to be curious enough to ask any of the questions or be curious about any of the differences that you've started to spot, that is a revolutionary act and is so powerful. But it's also vulnerable and that's okay. So the fact we get to practice that again and again and again, is one way of knowing that the ground is not going to open up beneath us and swallow us whole. And when we practice it, we get to witness that I might feel uncomfortable because it's unknown, but the ground does not physically open up and swallow us whole. So relating that to writing, I might have a story about... Um, spanking in my head and by story what I mean is I have a subjective opinion of what spanking means Yeah, it might make me a bad person to even think about it let alone write it down or even consider sharing it with just my partner let alone the world we get to Just by thinking it, we get to notice a piece of information. By writing it down, what we do is we create a safe container, but we also create these really nice um, boundaries in order, uh, sorry, in which we can explore the words we use to explain that thing. Because I might go, oh, spanking, that's S&M. And then suddenly it becomes this whole thing. And, and so my words about spanking in, in specifics becomes broadened, becomes wash with kind of just tying in the story I have about S&M or domination or submission or anything. So there's something about if I f- feel a word come f- through me repeatedly, then it's something that I'm curious about, obviously. So if I write down spanking, I get to think specifically about that word and I get to feel the words that come through that word, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, makes perfect sense.
1: We're told to niche. We're told that niches are good. <laughs> We're told that niches are important and they are for everybody else because everyone just wants to feel safe by spotting the patterns. So if I say I'm an actor, people put me in the actor label box and they, and they can anticipate or they hold expectation about how I will behave, the way in which I'll speak and the, the way I will interact with them so they can manage their energy and not feel or feel as, um, as much safety as possible. Mm. But if I say I'm a storyteller and they've never heard anyone refer to themselves as that, it's a scary thing, even though it's just someone who likes to tell stories and likes to receive stories. So what I get to do is I'm not creating a niche. What I'm creating is a playground. So I'm toying with this phrase called playground, not platform the platform is i build a structure and then i climb up to the top of it and i ask everybody to stop what they're doing and look up at this thing and go this is where i am i can't come down it's too high but this is what i'm doing but in a playground there is the energy of play and there is the space and the freedom and the opportunity to be in a fenced off area that has multiple options. Mm. So I get to go over to the slide and I get to do the slide as many times as I want. And people aren't gonna go, oh, they're a slider. (laughs) Because then I run over to the swings and they're like, they just go, this is a playground and you can do whatever you want, as many times as you want to do it, however you want to do it in this space. And it's not for us to justify why we are doing that and why we chose that thing and why why that thing became boring or why i just wanted to change my mind so for me i get to recognize that i was nervous coming into this conversation because i'm not an author i'm someone who loves words mm-hmm. I'm like, you've got to know the answers. Got to know the, you need, listeners are gonna listen, they're gonna want <laughs> the answers. <laughs> and I, and I stood there, and it was two minutes before we logged onto this this call, <laughs> and I just went, ha. Huh, this this is exactly what this call is about is that it gets to be fun. That you don't have to know the answers because there are none to anything. The biggest gift and curse we have is self-consciousness, because we ask the question, why? And we, <laughs> and it's hard to imagine that the answer is just because. <laughs> why am I here? Just because. What? <laughs> what's my calling what's my reason what's my my seven steps to success what's my it's all packaging you're told that answers mean safety and they don't
0: yeah i think firstly people are after a quick fix right so through all my yoga years, it's like, Oh, um, how quickly can I learn to do the splits? And it's like, oh, you know, there is no answer. Everyone is different. You might never get to the splits because of how your body is made. And why? Why is that an important goal? You know, right. is it because people have told you that it should be a goal? Why? Why is that a goal of yours? Right. And there's so many important things in which we're just talking about. And It's interesting you brought up shame because as you were talking, I was also thinking about Brené Brown and how she has, um, I think she calls it FFT, fucking first time, and (laughs) it means (laughs) whenever we do something for the first time, whether it's learning to drive a car or writing erotica or being curious about our own thoughts or being curious as to why we want these things. You know, maybe we haven't had those thoughts before. You know, these things are hard and they will be hard because it's an FFT, it's a fucking first time. (laughs) And we've got to go through the process of being um, new. You know, we're all so scared of newness. We all just want to rush on myself included, you know, because being new is scary and it's terrifying. Mm. You know, Mm. when I first started this podcast, as you were saying, you were nervous coming on today, I was so nervous at the beginning because I also expected people want a certain thing from me. They want me to have all the answers. And what I've realized is people just want me to be human right? And if I model being human, that gives other people permission to also be human. And Mm -hmm. that is what this is all about. And I also want to zone in on um, your speaking about when you write it down, write a word down, for example, that is a way for you to connect with it. Instead of it just being like a thought, would that word go? Would it not? That's Mm -hmm. a way for you to connect with the word. And I just think that is such a beautiful way to do it. You know, you've got to put it out there. You can always take it back, but you've got to put it out there to really feel it.
1: Well, and it just, it feels really important to just say that, that actually you don't need to take it back. Mm. It just gets to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't need to be perfect.
1: Yeah. Rubbing the word out and choosing another one is not saying that the last word was wrong. It just didn't feel the most true to you in that moment the word still exists there are dictionaries around the world that will still have that word
0: (laughs) yeah it wasn't a wrong word
1: right it was just the word you get to choose again
0: yes
1: but without writing that word in the first place you may not have been able to find the next word so so that you know so I, i i run workshops and i work with clients around their stuff and I call it Claim Your Space. <laughs> and the identity, the proof, the proof of an identity that we formed when we were a child is laced in the things that we acquire and the things that we keep and in the, the reasons we never get rid of them. Definitions are something that I play with and this is something that is um, as, a, as a takeaway, as, a, as a, um, a prompt that people can use because you don't have to be a writer and just be an explorer with words. Dictionary definitions are great as a starting point but I believe that everyone has a definition of their own, of every word shaped by their life's experience. So there is something so beautiful about being able to ask a person what their definition of a word is. So when they're talking about that word, be it vulnerability, be it um, domination, be it uh, inclusivity, be it fear, by inviting them to put words to what they mean by that word they get to explore and they get to choose the words they want to choose and change that word if they say it out loud and it doesn't feel right they get to say something else and that means when I hear that person speak of that word in that moment because it might be different tomorrow (laughs) yeah (laughs) in that moment I get to hear that word through their perspective not the one that I give it. because we're constantly trying to tell other people's stories. Our own story is valid. And it's sexy. There's nothing sexier than being told by a partner or, or even a friend what they want in a moment. And you're like, Yes, you can feel the energy of that, the, the joy, the excitement, the anticipation, the, whatever words they choose to use for it, whatever energy they they, however they define that, to be in a sexual moment with a partner and for them to say, I would really like, or to say, would you be willing to or can you or I'd love to explore or I'd love to try or I, I would love, if someone uses the word love in that intimate environment, good Lord, like, all right, shut the doors. <laughs> we're, we're keeping all of this for a bit, right? We're going to honour this. It doesn't mean if this, I mean, this is, a, this is such a huge conversation. I I speak from a heteronormative um, sort of sexuality perspective. And men have been told that masculinity is about no vulnerability. Men have been told that answers make them strong. We have all been taught, I say we, like all humans have been taught that destination is key. And I invite any men listening to this and any other (laughs) who are hearing this, who may have uh, interactions with or intimacy with, or attempted intimacy with, because it's not always guaranteed, with male-bodied people, that it is not the man's role to take you somewhere. And you do not have to be taken to a destination.
0: Yeah, so what you're saying I think is really important because in sex therapy there's a huge emphasis on so say there is a male and a female body person and they're in a relationship with each other. And in this example, the female body person is finding it hard to orgasm when she's partnered with the male body person. And it's almost like the male body person makes it not always but f- frequently makes it his goal to make the female body person orgasm. When you know, at the end of the day, you know, it could be about him, maybe he's not doing the right things, maybe he's not listening, but more often than not, it's not about him, right? This is this is to do with the other person. And he's taking all of that pressure and um making, you know, trying to have the answer. He has to have the answer, he has to fix this when it's not about him. And if we're gonna take it out of um sex for a moment, um So my husband, whenever we have, if I have a problem, or I'm upset or anything, you know, he's one of these people that needs to fix it, you know, he's trying to find me the answer. And I know what he's doing, you know, and I know he's trying to be helpful. But in those moments, that is the last thing that I want. And now we have this agreement, where he asks, are we fixing? Are we solving? Or am I listening? And I think that is such a beautiful way in because most of the time I just want him to listen. And, Mm. um, you know, maybe later on we can think about fixing, but not in that moment. Um, So I think that's so important.
1: Yeah. Mm. I had a thought this morning that there is no such thing as good or bad sex. There is disconnected sex and there's connected sex And it often comes from um, the man telling the story of the woman in, in that um, in, in that example and women have been how's your swearing situation on this podcast? <laughs>
0: go for
1: it <laughs> women have been women have been told and conditioned to believe that the bare fucking minimum is okay or that something they should be grateful for
2: <laughs> yeah
1: that if a man doesn't oh <sighs> <Ugh. sighs> that if a man doesn't try to finish inside, then you feel be like, oh, he's a good guy.
2: Mm.
1: My, my girlfriend is, uh, identifies as bisexual. She is, so we have had many a conversation about her experiences uh, with, with men and it tears me up she is why I, I call her my amazonian warrior sage queen
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she is powerful and elemental and she is a beam of light who just was born as a person. And when I, when I share that description with my female friends just in conversation, they're like, what? what, what, what her, who, who uses words like that? I'm like, but you're all powerful creators of the of universes with depth and width and 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 no one's telling you and so if we're tying it back to writing what i keep playing with because i i read erotic literature and i witness a lot of erotic literature written by men. And it's all destination based. It's mm. all uh, you know that, that they are the gift and that women just get wet and gush everywhere. I'm like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> I am I am experimenting writing, what, I, what I'm calling intimate moments. Because Angie and I are exploring what sex means. Because I hadn't really put words to it, but we had a conversation a long time ago and that sex is a man puts his penis in a vagina and finishes and that's sex. And, I, and as soon as that kind of came out in that conversation, I just went, oh, that's so true. And that's terrifying. And it, and it explains a lot. It doesn't make it okay, it's not okay. But it allows me to see interactions and read literature and witness in my own words, where my biases lie. And that's a terrible, vulnerable, horrible place to be in. But it's, it's the way in which we are an ally is by acknowledging that shame doesn't exist, that we are allowed to feel a feeling, and it gets to feel horrible, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. And we don't have to know the answers. But asking a question you know, are we fixing? Are we sorting? Are we, you know, listening? Is a game changer. Because women just want to be seen. And, and I don't mean seen naked on a bed there, a prize for this dominant man who's going to make you gush everywhere. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Because if you come into that space telling their story for them, you're not gonna go anywhere. Yeah. So my partner and I explore sex as energy, which means that both of us may not, for want of a better word, finish. (laughs) But by checking in with each other, and ourselves, we get to create this beautiful Venn diagram where we get to be whole, complete, individual human beings who chose to be in a space where we get to create this middle section together, which doesn't require sacrifice. It doesn't require um, negotiation of, of which bits of yours go in there and which bits of yours. It's an entirely separate entity where you get to choose the colour, the texture, the times frame, the all of it together knowing that you do not have to give any part of you away to make it happen.
0: Yeah and what you're talking about I really think is a perpetuating cycle and if we are kind of continuing with this heteronormative aspect in which we're flowing with, um, you know if men are assuming what, they, what a woman wants is also taking away a woman's power to voice what she wants. And what I've seen a lot with friends and family and clients is that a lot of women do, know, do not know what they want. And, you know, the more we kind of feed into this loop of the man needs to please the woman and the man needs to have the answers, the more the women... Lose the power, um, so it's about trying to find ways to intercept that cycle wherever that can be. And if we are just thinking about sex, in penis and vagina penetration, PIV, then it is discounting anyone who has other types of sex. So, um, what? So, do lesbians not have sex now? Do gay men not have sex? You know, this is all sex, and why have we made a hierarchy with PIV at the top? And with clients, especially clients who are in um, heterosexual relationships. I really invite them to have sex where they're not having PIV. You know, what, what is this obsession with always that has to be PIV? Why, where did that come from? And is that benefiting everyone? Because probably it's not benefiting everyone because as we know, a lot of women, especially prefer other types of sex. And yes, some can orgasm from PIV. Um, but again, what is this infatuation of orgasms as well? And yeah, we are running out of time, so I, I'm trying to round up a little bit. So before we mm-hmm. go, I <clears throat> for the listeners, I just want to invite you to create some takeaways from what we've been talking about today. So we've been talking about erotica, both writing, writing your own story, and also maybe listening to it. And in the context of relationships, um, Paul was mentioning earlier about finding seeing if that works for you by writing it down and kind of learning what you want to see if it resonates with you on the paper. And I think if you are stuck in the cycle that we were talking about um, and you are finding it hard to ask for what you want, whether you're female or any other gender, um, this could be a good way in because firstly, you could experiment with some ideas You know, is that something that tickles my fancy? Is it not? Um, Is this something in which I can share with my partner or partners? You know, maybe you could write something and you could read it to them. That might give them some ideas of things that you might want to include in your real life sexual relationship. Maybe you could start by writing a sentence, leave the notebook out, and then your partner write the second sentence and you carry on like that, have this back and forth. But I finally just want to state the difference between fantasy and desire. So quite often people have fantasies in the mind or maybe porn fantasies, or it could be erotica fantasies, where there are things that you find arousing or things that maybe you can masturbate to, um, but they are not necessarily things that you want to play out in real life. So I'm going to call fantasy this kind of creative thing, where you have the safety to explore it in your mind or in this other kind of media outlet. And there's a desire, which are things that you want to maybe explore on your own or with partners. And it's really important to name the difference between the two, because you might Uh, want to write erotica for example but they might not necessarily be things that you actually want to try so making sure that that difference is known if you are sharing it with someone who might um might not know might not know the difference
1: yeah absolutely it is coming back to the theme of practice it allows um humans who haven't been taught how to have um connected conversations to be really honest about something that is a smaller element. Because having to say the words out loud to someone can feel really difficult. Yes. But to write something down and share it might feel much more liberating and much more pos- possible. And then there is specific words rather than someone trying to remember what someone said yesterday when they asked this question, they said, to me, you have the written down thing of a form of expression that someone can ask questions about what did you mean by this word
2: mm-hmm.
1: or this makes me feel this. Um, is that what you meant or is that, you know, it gets, again, we, we come back to choosing one specific word rather than a theme. And so we can be really playful and conscious of that thing. I wish people would get better at missionary position. <laughs> Because there's so much scope for play in the missionary position, but we're sold novelty as better with positions and legs everywhere and <laughs> all this stuff. If 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 the only thing, like so setting the, the, the parameters within an intimate setting with a partner, I've got you know, uh, if, if PIV is the is, is what you want to explore play with pace and listening and visually witnessing muscularly what happens in your body and the, and your partners, ask them like what, how does that feel? It's again, it's practice. It's vulnerable and it's possible. And there is no shame for not knowing because there are no answers You could try missionary the next day and the next day and the next day, and it's going to be different. But we make assumptions and we tell stories and go, well, when I do when I did this to my partner 12 years ago, (laughs) they liked this, so I'm just gonna do this. And we cut out the (laughs) middleman, ironically. So asking questions, not easy, but it's possible. And practice.
0: Yeah. I think the theme of the day is curiosity. Being curious about yourself, being curious about your partner or partners. Um, Yeah, Paul, this has been fascinating. Where can the listeners find you? How can they join in on your offerings and things like that?
1: Uh, My website, paulsocket.com is my playground of choice. Um, And you can find me on Instagram, at soul pocket and uh yeah find me there reach out i'd love to hear your stories
0: awesome it was so great to have you on
1: thanks